All right, everybody. Uh, welcome. So glad you're here. And we're continuing uh, the series with Eric stepping through uh, what we now called in the book, Figure That Shift Out. And so, Eric, man, welcome. Glad you're here and uh, had a big week, birthday birthday week. We'll call it the birthday week. Why can't we, right? Yeah, nothing wrong with uh, a birth week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as we as we jump in and you look back over the last week, I always like to check in and say, where were moments where you became aware? Is it fear? Is it shame? What dots were connecting? Um, does your mind go back to any of those? Uh, I didn't feel too much fear or shame this week because I had a really nice week. One of my friends was visiting me for a few days, staying over, and um, a lot of the conversations I had with him were really great. And I guess there were a couple moments where I connected some dots, and I realized that with some of the projects that I'm doing, that I'm putting all my time towards, that I keep asking questions to people so I can get some kind of response or approval or attention or whatever. And it's, it's me holding myself back. It's, it's me waiting for something. Um, and I just felt like I had talked about it for an hour after, and then I realized I just need to do it. I just need to do it and keep iterating on it and not just not keep overthinking. And I notice myself overthinking sometimes. I think it's pretty normal. But particularly with one project, I uh, definitely have not been <clears throat> have not been scheduling in the time to to execute. More just been talking about it, thinking about it. Yeah, that fight against acting uh, and moving with intention and being proactive is so hard, uh, and it's why a lot of people freeze up. And so, what we want to do is, and this is why we get secure in who we are. When we're secure, just like you said, you you realized you were wanting that uh, feedback from people and what they thought. When you're secure, then it overflows to the mission. You can't help but do it. Does that make sense? You can't help but move it forward if it's something you're passionate about. Yeah, I I really want to be there. That's all. It seems a little bit far off. I don't know if it's just me. Like I I know I'm, I'm sort of going through the motions right now, as I mentioned last week getting to the end of this job and then I'll have some more freedom uh, after I, I'm taking another trip of course because I somehow convinced myself to do that <laughs> but I um, yeah I just I just feel like it's going to take a little while before I can make a significant dent and sometimes that's the, the struggle is doing the hard thing first and breaking it down into bite sized pieces getting it all in my calendar and my task management you know uh app or whatever I'm using, that is paramount to making any kind of progress, just getting organized. Okay. So let's take it one step back from getting organized with it because what's going to carry you through the organization is energy. So the starting point of this week is this idea that you're giving where it hurts. So if I'm afraid that I don't have worth unless I perform at a certain level, then I want to celebrate others just for who they are. Um, if the fear is that, uh, you know, I don't belong, then I want to help others feel like they belong. Now we're going to connect this to work in a very practical way in just a second. But what you're doing is you're looking for a way to get a quick hit of, of energy to get you moving. Now, 
the quickest energy that most people are familiar with, it's a false energy, is proving or hiding. So how do they either get going or shut down in, in mission and in giving uh, to others? It's because they got a chip on their shoulder. I'm going to prove to you I can do this. Um, or the hiding, you know, look at me. This always happens. Everything starts to shut down. And it's them playing out of their fears. I had to be careful in a thing a number of years ago where that I was doing it to help others, not just to prove that I could um, because I had been involved in something similar with my dad and had stepped away from it. And it was like, oh, I'm going to prove that I can do this without him. Um, and that was some quick energy, but it's a false energy and it diminishes. So that's why, you know, you look at what the build up to where we've come from this point is we want to notice the fear and the pain. We use week six to get secure, week seven with the activity. And I wanted to check in with you about that too, but I'll remember later. Um, I hope, hopefully will. But, uh, and now we go, okay, how do I turn my gaze to mission? And the starting point is saying, okay, and I know it's so intense to walk through the fear, uh, but if that fear still rings true for you, then you're helping people feel the thing you feel afraid of uh, or the, the good, the opposite of it. Now, I want to make that really clear, but to, just to check in with you real quick, do you still resonate with, as we talk through the fears, the fear that we've been kind of revolving around these last few weeks? Yeah, I do. Any any more insight on that or different words you put it into or anything like that? Not that there has to be, just checking in. It's still the fear that I don't have what it takes to to do it, to you know, go after the big goal, or I'm gonna be found out, or I'm not gonna be taken care of. Yeah. But it's less so than before. Because it's just getting closer to when I when it's go time and I'm feeling the adrenaline start to pump. <laughs> yeah. So now here's what's key. As you close off what's there and you start the new, the way that you start the new from a secure standpoint is to say, I don't have anything to prove. I don't think I have anything to hide. I bring me. I've Look, I, I've had a successful job. I've already done that. Um, I was in a place where I created you know, this work that I was, even if I wasn't super proud of like everything that was around it, I was doing the best I could with what I had. Yes, there were some parts of it that were soul sucking and things had to change. Hence, you're doing what you're doing. But in a way, you've already been giving, right? You've already been doing it. You have what it takes. And now when you learn to get that in your identity space week six, there's nothing that mission can give you that will make you feel what you can't feel already. So then you're not frantically running after it. So it doesn't always have to be directly connected to work. And we're going to do some, uh, you know, we'll do that tonight. But even in this past week, if there was a moment where somebody was afraid, locked up and shut down, and it doesn't mean you can think of one and maybe it'll happen this coming week. And you were able to be beside them and go, look at you. You've got what it takes. Um, they want to hear it so bad. And then you're able to give them that gift in the very place that you feel hurt. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I had a good moment this week. Sweet. Where that happened. Tell yeah. me about it. 
So I get emails every once in a while from younger or less experienced designers Mm -hmm. just asking me questions. And I used to use all those questions for my blog posts. Um, I've taken a little bit of a break from, from blogging while I'm going through this program with you. Uh, but there were a few messages that I never replied to. And there was one where this kid, he was in high school, and he kept following up with me in, through different ways. And I, I felt so bad because I had a draft in my, in my email going out to him. And he had a lot of questions. Um, and he also just wanted validation. He wanted me to notice him and, and tell him his work was on the right path. Um, he's, you know, he's coming to New York. He wants to like, meet and see my studio. So I, I just replied to him with a, a nice, thoughtful message, and I, I couldn't answer everything because he was a little overwhelming, but um, it was definitely one of those moments where he you know, gave someone what I was trying to get mm-hmm. from other people. Dude, that's awesome, man. And, and now, as simple as that is, um, I mean, these are profound moments for people. If you listen to people describe their stories... And like one person who believed in them that said one thing that they could hold on to. Uh, that's not an uncommon story to hear for people that had an awesome breakthrough. Sadly, it's an uncommon story because insecure people can only give what they have. And they can't give it to others because they're too locked up and insecure trying to get. Which is why we give where it hurts. So that's so beautiful, man. Um well, what I want to take a little deeper is the the Venn diagram, the pain play magic, and I want to take it a little bit deeper than I did in the podcast or the email. Uh, before I do that, I want to check in with where you are on it. Um, that's not a tool to like solve everything right now. It's a tool to provoke, and I'll break that down more in a second, but I want to check in with you. What was that like going through that? Did it create... Um, some confusion or frustration or questions. Where are things with you? The Venn diagram, you mean? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it definitely was a good exercise. Uh, a lot of this stuff I'm already very much so in touch with just through my own practices. I'm always trying to stay in touch with the the childhood playfulness that I had mm-hmm. uh, or the playfulness that I had in my childhood. And the magic part that you mentioned, which is what other people t- what other people tell you that you're good at, is also something that I, I try to stay in touch with because that's where I'm going to be able to have the greatest success, where I overlap the play and the magic. Um, so it was more just clarification of things that I already knew. Uh, the pain part was what I hadn't really thought about in this context. Uh, like what we talked about in weeks three, two and three, were a lot about the pain stuff. It was listing out again some of those those hurts and, and those themes that occurred throughout my story. Uh, but thinking about that, I couldn't really connect those to the other parts. I, I guess what you meant was framing it in the way that we did by giving what giving to others what you're looking to get to uh, to satisfy that pain. Is that what you meant? Yeah, that can be part of it, but but you can also think about it this way. Um, so when I was like a professor, I it was play and magic. Um, it was play. Oh, you mean I get to go in and 
you know, stretch brains. Um, I can remember sitting around and, and pontificating at a younger age. Uh, and then there was some magic involved because, you know, growing up, I had to be able to argue quick on my feet uh, to survive some moments. So it was a sense of I'm, I'm good at this, and this is really fun. Magic and play. It didn't really, uh, it didn't really speak to any like this is a a mission and something a cause that I care about and I want to help alleviate suffering. There was some ways that I was able to I think teach critical thinking skills, but for me, like the pain part is. Um, sitting under disempowering leaders and feeling what that's like and going through that uh, in very painful ways, I'm on a mission. I want to teach what it looks like for others to be empowered and empower others uh, to learn what it means to be secure and who they are and to help others get to that secure identity. So, um, you know, and, and I can look at other things that I've done and it kind of plots at different points. But it never hits the overlapping of those three circles, the center point, the sweet spot. And by offering this tool, I'm definitely not saying this is something you can fix overnight. It's a tool to provoke, to say, let's think about what it looks like to get a vision, even if it feels very off, far off in the future, to move what we do into the most true expression of who we are. Now, I want to connect that to your business Uh before I do, you know, just to drive this home a little clearer, um, you know, my neighbor, uh, I don't know how I can tell these stories if it's too personal. I don't know if they listen or not. I'm assuming they don't, would have no idea I have a podcast. But um, well-meaning comes um, across the street to me. is like, hey, I heard about what you do. Talk to my wife and, uh, you know. I want to ask you some questions. And he had, there was some suffering that he had alleviated in the world because he had experienced some of that suffering. And he wanted to do a cause that was going to make the world a better place. Um, I didn't have a ton of time to talk to him, but if I did, I would want to check real quick. Is this coming out of magic and play and pain, or is it just pain? Because if that mission is just coming out of the pain circle, you become a martyr. You're exhausting. You wear people out. You think everybody should care about your cause, and that's all they should care about. Um, you know, if, if mission is only coming out of the play circle, um, you, you become not. You could say you become a joker. Uh, it's not that everything is just funny necessarily. It's more that you don't take it serious. You know, you don't appreciate the value of compounding momentum. You consistently look for ways to take. Um, the way out from facing the hard thing that's going to grow you, and and by joker I don't mean comedian. I mean I think they're they do a ton of hard work. I think they're like prophets among us uh, that make intense, crazy things funny. And if you only live out of the magic circle, you become a showman. You're just doing that thing for others, the showman, show woman, where there's no substance. So what we're trying to do is move our lives into the overlap of those three circles. And I've done things where I was close on two of them, whether it was pain and magic or magic and play, um, but but never that sweet spot. Now, well, first, does that make sense as a tool to provoke? Yeah, yeah. I, I like what you're saying about how it's 
not something that's just going to figure figure all the, all your problems out, but it is like a guiding principle to help you find that purpose. Exactly. I mean, I, for, I spent like a decade reading every book I could uh, and for sure researched which ones were the best ones on leadership and purpose and all these things and just never found anything that gave me a way to grab a hold of some handles that I could wrestle something down. Now, the other piece to that is this, and you tell me what we can say and can't say, and um, you know, I could go back and edit some stuff out if I needed to, but what you're going into full-time, I think we've talked a little bit about it in one of the first podcasts. Tell me what your business is going to be. So in the past, my freelance business, whatever you want to call it, has been a design practice. I, I help organizations and companies solve problems through graphic design. Okay. And specific, specifically, my niche is custom lettering and typography. So that could be a logo. That could be an apparel design, a mural, a, a piece of signage. That's what I am good at and what I enjoy. But there was a specific project that I did in the past year that has sort of derailed that. Not derailed, but it's, it's sort of a side project that I want to turn into its own business. Um, it's all very new and in the conceptual phase right now. I've done a little bit of work with it. I've made some money from it. I've donated some of that money uh, to a cause. And that's the project that I've had the most gratification from. Um, but outside of that, I still need to run my design practice because I think that that's going to be where I'm going to make a living and be able to do the other thing. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Okay, so uh, a couple of thoughts here. One, with your business and even with doing uh, stuff on the side for nonprofits where you're saying, hey, I want to help you with my skills, um, you're working with people in moments where you're taking their work um, and you're, you're, you're with them where they're trying something, right? They're going to put their message out there. They're going to open up shop. They're launching that thing. You tracking with me? Yep. That's vulnerable. Man, that's scary. Uh, you know, I, I probably have once or twice a year where I'm launching something. And, you know, man, that's like a vulnerable place. It's scary. I feel so much mad respect for people that have businesses that come beside others that are doing things every week that I can only handle about twice a year because it makes me feel so raw and vulnerable to put myself out there. So what are you doing? You're coming beside people. You've got what it takes. I believe in you, and I believe in this message, and I want to help you get it out there. Now, what I just did there was gave you a way of framing your work so that there's a, there's a sense of mission from it, right? It's the false identity or the true identity, the false mission or the true mission, going back to week four. False mission is Eric has to get props from others, celebration from others, so that he can feel that he has what it takes or whatever you would fill in the blank, has to get blank from others. 
so he could feel that he has what it takes. When you engage the mission that you already have what it takes, yes, you're growing your skills. Yes, you're getting the edge of your abilities. People that are concerned about this message and they're like, wait a second, if I believe I have what it takes, won't that make me lazy in mission? No. I haven't seen an, uh, an exception to this yet. The more secure you get, the more brave you are to get to the edge of your abilities, to try things, to grow. You're going to do that. As you do it, and as you are secure in who you are, you get to serve people, not only by delivering the work, but you deliver the context of the work, which is what it means to interact with you. You deliver uh, the experience that is your brand, which is we're here to encourage you. And you're not even having to say these words, okay? It's not even that you're explicitly stating them. It's not that it's in your mission statement or anything like that uh, for your company. It's not that it's on your website, but it's the feeling people get from being with you. It's caught more than it's taught. You can't help but overflow it. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. That's the way I would hope to write a, uh, a website copy, basically, <laughs> to get people excited about what I'm doing for them, You know, to show them that I understand that what they're doing is tough and to find someone to work with as a partner is not easy. But to build that trust is sort of what you're doing through taking what I told you and spitting it back out. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And all I'm doing is giving a way to focus it, and it's going to come through your fear. And it's not superficial either. It's not just some text on an, on an about page. Yeah. Either. It's real. Yes. So that's, yeah. And, and when people interact with you, you know, they're going to get that. People know. I mean, we just know. I read a study, and I need to look it up for I quote it again. And I may have quoted it on here already with you. But, like, our brains can even figure out when people feel, feel real nervous and their mouths dry up and they don't have enough saliva, our brain interprets that at, like, this uh, reality, this level that's deeper than our conscious reality is what I meant to say, uh, or where we interpret these signals that they're nervous. And, you know, we all get nervous. If you're getting, getting to the edge of your abilities and growing, I mean, I do things and I have a sweat response and my heart rate's elevating, but I'm bringing it down and I'm getting secure and I'm using everything we talked about in week six and seven. And then I'm reengaging into the mission to say, okay, I'm here to give. Yes, I'll get Yes, it'll feel good. It feels good to get paid. It feels good to get celebrated. It feels good to get referred. All those things feel good. But I'm giving more than I'm getting, and that's the idea. Um, And the fear gives you the clue to where you're going to get that energy to go, let's go do this. So, yeah, man, sounds like you're tracking. Any thoughts or questions on that? No, it sounds good, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to listen back to this one for sure. Just like the rest, uh, got to write down what you said before about, (laughs) yeah, you could just hit uh, Siri to record it to text and then there's web copy. (laughs) Well, I mean more just to, to finesse it and, uh, figure out what that is. Cause I have trouble putting that into words myself. I think we all do. Yeah. It's much easier for someone else to tell you your story in a couple sentences or your purpose, um, when you don't know it yourself. Yeah. Well, and that's for me, that's why I site shift because I went on a search, uh, 
for over a decade, and it was it didn't there was no answer out there. There was not, not another leadership book that could give me the insight. It was I had to go into the cave. It's Luke Star Wars, as weird as that is. I had to go into the cave, the fear, the pain, and the shame, and sit with it. Seth uh, Godin's blog today. Uh, do you follow his stuff? Have we talked about that before? Yeah, I follow his stuff. Uh, did you read today's? No, I missed it. What, what was today? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so it was – I can't remember the exact uh, focus of the topic, but basic wording was uh, on what it means to get busy. I'm just going to see if I can call it up real quick. Yeah, the title was, Is Productive the Same as Busy? And, and I love this. For everyone else, um, they might be precisely the opposite of productive. Maybe the best exhortation isn't to get busy. Instead – Perhaps it involves slowing down enough to feel the fear. The fear that we might only hear in the quiet moments, in the gaps between crises. The fear is a necessary part of actually being productive and doing creative work. Um, and that was it. I mean, that's like, for me, all we're doing is spending the last seven weeks to slow down enough to feel the fear, week six and seven to get some solutions. So that now week eight, we can actually be productive and doing creative work. Dang, he said it for me. <laughs> um, and that's where we are. Any other thoughts or questions on this? And then I want to go to the table exercise that was at the end of this. No, the main, the main thing, like I said before, is, is really just the, I'm playing the waiting game right now, and it sucks. I want to be productive, <laughs> but I'm so drained at the end of my day. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I took off a couple of days last week to, to celebrate my birthday and to hang out with my friend, and I'm glad I gave that to myself. But there's nothing I want more than to be done with this and moving on to full time being in my own business. Um, because right now it seems like very difficult to do both well, and I want to end my job on good terms as well. Yeah. Um, today was actually an interesting day there. Uh, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but turns out my boss, my direct boss is actually leaving as well. Whoa. And yeah, it's interesting because I had to bring up what I was going to do, essentially starting my own business. And now she's going to start her own business. Uh, and then there was this big celebration and they restructured the whole department and they said who was going to be taking my position. And they, they said, this is person's going to, everyone got a round of applause, everyone got celebrated, and I'm just like, yeah, I guess I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. But, you know, I can't ask for attention, and I've already told everybody what what's what my plan is. It was just an interesting day with all that change. Um, and now, just playing out the next two weeks until it's until it's done. Well, and, and, you know, if your fear was that you're easily replaceable, not that you don't feel that some, but for some people that is the core fear then today what is like a giant stab wound. It's like, look, we're already here. We're going, we got to keep going and companies do have to keep going. But yeah, it's like, wait, I'm not even dead yet. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is insane. And, but <laughs> it does happen. Hey, if former boss is a cool person and they're going out on their own, you know, there might be a way to, to have a, a non-spammy, non-gross conversation that says, "Hey, let's help each other." Yep. You know, people that need you, people that need me. Let's let's let each other know about it. 
Um, but yeah, very normal. And this is something I hear uh, that comes up often with week eight, and that is, you know, uh, it comes up in one or two ways. One, how do I make crappy job that I do now a part of mission giving where it hurts? And then I'd spend a lot more time like unpacking fear uh, and thinking through how to bring that into a role that they feel is confining them. Um, for folks that are doing what you're doing, it's a lot scarier and harder, but you're going to get to a place of pure essence, if you will, in mission at a level that you haven't experienced before. Um, if you, you know, you keep practicing everything we're talking about, staying secure in who you are, uh, it'll keep you from getting distracted how everybody else gets distracted with things like, you know, if I, ha- I, you know, if I have the perfect website with the perfect copy, my business will kill. And you can, you can have a killer business and not even have much of a website. It's going to be your network first and foremost at the beginning. Um, and I can get distracted from that. I got a friend that reminds me of this beautifully. He's been on the podcast a few times. His name is Adam. But when you're secure in who you are, it's going to keep you focused on that 20% that makes the biggest you know, difference to 80% of the business. And um, you're going to be fine. And I wish that I could help you feel that in all the good ways. Um, none of the ways that would make you so laid back that you wouldn't work hard and go after it, Um, you know, the challenge will be, and you've just said it, how do I have energy to build this while I'm finishing this and I want to finish well? Uh, And there's no magic uh, answer, even though we've talked about magic some, Um, but that true energy, look at what I'm going to help people do. That's how you nurture that fire. Uh, it'll run out a lot quicker if it's like, I got to prove to people I can do it. Screw that. Think of your three friends who need your help and the work that you're going to do. Think of, um, I was going to say three customers, but you know, when your customers become your friends, it's amazing. And look at what your friends have asked you to do for them. But think of three of them. And just what's the next step you got to take? Take that next step. You know, you come home, you're tired, you want to finish well, take that one next step, whatever it is. Uh, Our basement flooded and I didn't have the energy. We had just moved, business getting it going. I mean, I could tell you all the reasons that I was just wiped out. And, And we got home one night and... I go downstairs to get tools because I got to put Ikea furniture together because we had moved and we just got back from Ikea and I'm sloshing around in water. And I, I, you know, the best way to describe it, a hot tear flashed into my eye. I have a buddy. He's like, what's a hot tear? I'm like, it's, you just know it when it happens. Um, I, I walked around the stairs, sloshing around in the water, no energy, just exhausted. It's like, okay, all I can do is put up the next toy. I can't do anything else. So I took a piece and moved it over there. You know, and a few hours later, I'm hoisting carpet out through the windows and getting everything moving forward or however long it took. You don't have energy to do it all tonight. Think of those three. And there's no magic number there. If it's two, it's one, whatever. 
who you're doing this for. Nurture that fire and just take whatever the next step is tonight. You don't have to do it all. It doesn't even mean it's the next right step. It's just the next step that's the overflow of your secure identity. And then the mission unfolds in front of you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Awesome, man. I'm glad that was helpful. Well, I want to talk, too, about the third exercise there on the table. And the reason this is a conversation to happen this week is because what blocks up a true expression of your mission is when you have sideways energy happening. And it can be people you know. It might even be somebody that doesn't even know who you are. You just have this argument that's happening uh, in your head with them. You know, it's maybe it's somebody you don't even talk to at work, but you know, they're getting something that you should be. And I'm not saying that's your story. I know it's different, but for all of us, our mind chatter can get humming, uh, with stuff going sideways Uh, as Thanksgiving approaches, man, a ton of people are going to be thinking in the back of their minds about talking and being with their family and how it makes them feel anxious. Um, so here's what we want to use. We want to use the table with others the same way you used it with yourself from week seven. Were you able to experiment with that some? I thought about it, but I I didn't reach out to anyone in particular. I, I thought I didn't know who to do it with. I just felt like it was kind of weird. It wasn't really totally. Yeah, don't do it for real with people. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm glad you didn't reach out. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, it is weird if you were reaching out to people. Um, and this is why I wanted to get figure that shift out so that real clear in the book. No, this is in your mind's eye. Um, so, you know, part of the magic for me, I started the business in the ninth grade and, you know, was starting site shift. How do I invite my ninth grade self to the table? Um, so that's, you know, that was last week, bringing all the parts of who you are to the table. This week is about in your mind's eye, going to that identity space from week six and there's a table there and, and picture the table, however you want. Who needs to be at that table that you need to work some stuff out with? Um, Here's an example of this, and this is much like how we use the identity space. When you've had something bad happen where you're just feeling blocked up relationally, you can't think about the next thing you need to take care of, so you go to this table and you let them have it in your mind's eye, right? See, feel, and hear it. Throw it down. You don't have to filter anything. And this is the much more powerful and sophisticated equivalent of Abraham Lincoln's practice of writing a letter and then throwing it away. Uh, It gets much more immersive when you go there in your brain like this. Maybe you have a conversation coming up that you want to prep for. Maybe uh, you find yourself in kind of roundabout arguments with somebody. You're using this space to clean up the relational junk, to get the cash, C-A-C-H-E, clean, um, so that you don't have your brain wasting energy and resources with chatter. That will block up the next step in the mission. It'll block up the expression of who you are because there's so much sideways energy happening. Uh, with trying to, you know, 
whatever it is. It's always going to be in, you know, connection to our fear. For me, I want people to know that I did a good job or I'm afraid of what they think about how I did. Um, I'm using this to keep that clean. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> hey, I want you to go to a table with me. No, I think I was confusing it with one of the other exercises. Um, the one where you like apologize to someone for um, holding them responsible. Yeah, no, this is that. It's a good job remembering that. But that may be part of what you say to them. Maybe part of what you say to them is... In your mind's eye. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that, yeah, I do say do this in your mind's eye. But yeah, hey, you know what? I made you responsible to make me feel worthy uh, just for being alive. I release you from that. Um, it would change people's Thanksgiving to be able to figure out their fear and to be able to release the family that they can't get along with from trying to meet the need of their identity because then they would be relaxed. And that's what we want to do. Relax our way into who we are. Booyah. Um, so try <laughs> that some because, I, yeah, I'd like to, to chat about that next week. And it's possible I'll forget, so please bring it up. I want to talk about the identity activity from week seven if you don't have any thoughts or questions and just check back in with you on that. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Uh, were you? Because I know where we ended. You were going to experiment some, and was that? Were you able to do that? Yeah. How'd yeah. that go? Um, pretty well. Uh, like I was telling you before, I, I'm pretty well in touch with my playful side, mm-hmm. and that was. When I say in touch, I, I mean I'm aware of it. Like I, I, I go there a lot in my head. Yeah. But sometimes in my, in my mission, in particularly in my yeah, particularly my work, I don't go there as much or as often due to the pressure or the internal critic telling me to do something else or what or just the, you know lack of organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I could set aside an hour in my day. Like I, I've heard a lot of really. Um, talented designers say this before saying they start off their day just by essentially scribbling, getting their brain warmed up and doing stream of consciousness, writing or drawing or both. And I don't do that enough because that's where, that's where I've been neglecting my playful self. Mm. But that's pretty much all I got out of it. I think I, I, I didn't see that there were many other sides that I was neglecting. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, and so the fact that you know that is a starting point. Here's what will happen moving forward. You get the business going, things are moving forward, and you'll start to recognize, oh, I'm busy, I'm stressed, and I'm neglecting this part of who I am. Let's welcome that back to the table. It's dynamic. It's not static. And and now you know what to look out for. Um, Well, as we go to week nine, we'll go deep into decision-making. Um, and this is for me, you know, we're in results now, uh, nine, 10, 11 and 12. It's like, all right, now we see what happens as a result of secure identity and, um, really fun to learn, to think about your decisions as a detached observer, not to get a paralysis of analysis, 
but to go, ah, this is how I can become much more efficient in my decision-making to learn the things that I can trip up on the most. And because I know I wasn't as clear as I'd like to be uh, in the in the email or the podcast, I'll attempt to do that now. Um, and that is one of the exercises, really explore your creativity there to think about a story that would seize your attention to help you make a great decision. Um, and, you know, mine isn't like crazy creative, but it's just simple. And um, it's just this idea that there was a man, oh, I'll tell it to you rough off the top of my head. There was a man who lived in a tent and wanted to put his family in a house. So he started putting up the walls and he put up the roof and it had beautiful furniture and it was an amazing, gorgeous house. But in two weeks, the walls caved in and the house fell in because he didn't build a foundation. Now, the reason that's my story that gut checks me is because my tendency is to say, okay, I'm going to chase the future because I'm going to perform. There's more worth. Uh, I'm going to chase the future. I'll ignore present concerns. Uh, Another way of saying that is I'll fail to build the substance and structure I need to build so that I can run with my inspirations. Um, So when I'm making decisions on a daily basis, I, I gut check myself. And I don't have to think through that story every time. It's such a part of me now. I just think, are there any present concerns I'm looking over or I'm ignoring? It doesn't mean I don't move forward still, but I just want to pay attention to them. And I, I'll i tell you, I think, on the podcast, some ways that I've you know, screwed up with that. We're going to do the same for you. So you look at your fear, and I walk through all the fears in decision-making. And so you'll get some wording. And then make a story. Like if you were to get your own attention, what story would you tell yourself? To be your own sage, guru, prophet, voice of wisdom. Um, That'll make way more sense, but at least I wanted to get the story part really clear before you jumped into it. Cool? Yeah, so that's sort of what you were saying before about how in the future uh, my business is going well. And then, you know, in something... Um, I'll become aware when something happens, I'll become aware that, well, I don't know how you said it before, but basically, uh, this story is a reminder to come back to that foundation, correct? Yes. Well, for you at least. And for me, it could be something similar or not, but yeah, exactly. It'll be, it'll be your thing. Uh, man, it's going to be fun. I'll hold off from saying (laughs) too much, but yeah, dive into that. Let me know if you have any questions. Like I always say, hit me up if you need me, man. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a good night. You too, buddy. Bye. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.